Hello, welcome to the Redmen TV. It's Redmen Radio. Actually, it's the calm before the storm. Um, we've got loads of news to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk transfers. We're going to talk Madrid, of course. We've got your questions. But before all of that, I'm joined by Ross Chanley, by one Bailey Shaw, and by Ben Kelly. And the kickoff question comes from at Noodle House Alex, which is an absolute belter of a question. I've really enjoyed doing this question. If each of the top seven teams were a crisp, which would they be? And why? So we'll come to you first on this one, Ross. All right, bear with me because I looked at this question about two minutes before we came down. So I've gone City first of all. I've gone Marks and Spencers. I don't know, jalapeno, chili and truffle oil or some shit because, you know, well-funded, posh thing for City. Liverpool, not many people buy them. Not Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can't, not many people can afford to go to Marks and Spencers. They just don't go. Um, Liverpool, State Cup, McCoys. I thought a solid, solid choice of flavour. Nice rigid base, built properly. Um, Chelsea Pombears, just because, because kids like them, no one else buys them. Um, okay. I had to be a bit careful with that one. Um, Spurs are Watsits because they just flake and crumble at the last minute, as, as do Watsits. Arsenal are hula hoops because, you know, nice on the outside but hollow in the centre. Um, United are quick save, no frills because fucking hate them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Wolves are frazzles, you know, nice bit of flavour. You have them every now and then, but. We can take them all even. I like that. I like the way you've built it built it up as well. So mm. let's go Bailey next. Uh, I went for original Pringles as City because they look nice. You know, everyone likes a Pringle, but the thing with Pringles is it's actually statistically the worst crisp for you. So it looks good on the outside, full of shit on the inside, which is basically Manchester City. Uh, I've gone flame grilled steak for McCoy's for Liverpool. Same uh, thing as you. Just a really elite crisp, hot, spicy. You know, they just give give pack a solid punch. Uh, Chelsea, I've gone lightly salted kettle chips because they're a bit Tory and a bit boring. That's Chelsea summed up. Spurs, I've gone for sun bites because sun bites. They're a bit they're, they're <laughs> crisps. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. They're Monday crisps. They're popular. They're very light. As the as Spurs team starting eleven is very light. Uh, also, I've gone chip sticks. Tastes pretty good, but so frail. No, they just absolutely crumble apart in your hands. That is Arsenal to a T. United are scampy flavoured fries because they are uh, a team or crisp that would sit in the back of your nan's cupboard forever. No one would ever pick them because nobody wants them anymore. Proper, they're, they're, for you, they're a niche crisp for somebody who likes scampy, which is not many people these days. And last is <laughs> these days. Yeah. And last is Walker's bugles. You know the little uh, yeah, yeah, for wolves, yeah. the little cone ones because. They're new, you know, the hottest thing on the market at the minute. They look, mm. taste nice, a bit underrated for a Walker's crisp, and I think that's about bang on for Wolves. <laughs> I love this I question. don't think I can match any of them. <laughs> what I, have you done then? Mine's built mainly on my opinion, so, I mean, again, I've gone with a similar idea to you for City. I've got, I've gone with just plain, uh, it's not cheese and onion, plain ready salted crisp, because obviously they are quite popular. You know, people like them, but at the end of the day, they've no real personality. So, you know, yeah. I feel like that's the case. Liverpool, I've just gone with my favourite Chris, which is Cheese and Onion Walkers, because they're my favourite football team. And I felt like that married up quite nicely. Um, Chelsea, I've gone with Monster Mush, Munch, because. Monster Mush. Monster Mush. Monster Munch, because they're just a bit of a mess. Okay. The, 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 mon, the mon, monster must just make a me- monster munch just make a mess, and Chelsea are a bit of a mess at the moment. Spurs, I've gone with, I've gone with an opposite approach to you. I've gone with off-brand Doritos because, like, they don't require a lot of investment, but they do a good job. You know, Ooh, I, I think you know they nice. they, they, they do I like a job. That. I like that. that. Good. I think that's them. Um, Arsenal, same idea. I've gone with skips because they just like fade away. They don't last very long. Um, United. 
mini cheddars because I just reckon they're a bit shit. They get stuck in your teeth and all that. You know, just not a bit. End up talking a lot, and I don't like mini cheddars. And um, wolves are quavers because I think wolves are underrated, and I think quavers are underrated as a crisp. So I've I've gone for two of the same as yours for completely different <laughs> reasons, and I don't think anybody else have gone the same as. Um, City for me, a jalapeno and cheese Max Strong, Ooh. which are the new kids on the block, and they're absolutely yeah, fucking killing it. I don't even think they do them in small packets. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's sort of representative <laughs> of the fact that City aren't doing things the normal way. They're just going big, spending a billion pounds, like the advertising budget probably for Max Strong. And to be fair, they're really tasty crisps. And Man City's football is really, really good as well. Liverpool are the old school, the best crisp that's ever existed. Cheese and onion walkers. I think if you, it's it's the UK's favourite crisp mm-hmm. for a reason. Uh, just like Liverpool, it's got history, it's got tradition, uh, it's changed kits as well. You know, back in the day when I was growing up, uh, it started off at a green packet and then went to blue. Liverpool changed from a blue kit to a red kit, obviously. Uh, Early eight, uh, late 1800s I think there's a little bit of symmetry along there as well uh, Chelsea are Doritos cheese because they came in the sort of 90s big on the advertising budget or early noughties something like that took over the crisp game proper hard uh, and now I think they're falling behind the Max Strong and all that type of stuff Tottenham Hotspur are salt and shake the traditional they've been here a long time but they're never winning any awards much like Tottenham Hotspur I fucking hope probably the only Christmas in a white packet as well it's true um, and Arsenal uh, Quavers or Skips uh, anything yeah. that just melts in your mouth a little bit flaky and you know you put it in there and it just disappears yeah. much like Arsenal um, Manchester United the Thai sweet chilli they're a good strong crisp they've been around fairly recently but they've established themselves much like Manchester United in the Premier League era mm. uh, came in won all the plaudits uh, but right now because of the, the level of Max Strong crisps coming in there the jalapeno and cheese and stuff no one's going for them uh, and Wolves are batata frita by Barossa which is just a Portuguese crisp but <laughs> to be perfect oh, nice. <laughs> El Pringo <laughs> so there you go I think we've pretty much what nailed question? that great it was question a great question yeah. uh, we spent far too much time on it so we will get into some of the news and stuff in brief first and foremost uh, Liverpool's goalkeeper uh, Madley Carriers is expected to remain at Besiktas next season I think that if all parties are happy and satisfied I will continue. My contract with Besiktas continues. Uh, ben asked. Not really. No. I mean, look. I feel. I do feel for Loris Carriers. I mean, obviously, we if we all put aside our personal trauma when it comes to Kiev last year, you know, and just try and consider for a moment how mentally challenging of an event that must have been for him. You know, he's gone away to Besiktas. He's put in some good performances. Um, but but he has had problems there as well. You know, he's had problems getting paid. Um, he's had problems with the manager. You know, I think the manager at one point said that he'd rather put a forty-year-old reserve goalie in goal. So, you know, he's made a couple of errors there and, and paid for it. He's been up and down with the fans. So it must have been a really mentally challenging twelve months for him. But at the end of the day, we've got Allison, and when you've got a world-class goalie, you're never going to go back. So he's just never going to play for Liverpool again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I must admit, I think, you know, personally, I know Luis Carrius probably cost. As a Champions League final last season um, I was only talking about it the other day actually I really respect the fact still that he came over to the fans at the end of the game and did put his hands up and I think he knows that he made the mistake and you know modern footballers sometimes will just hide Loris Carius didn't do that Um it was his performances in pre-season that really made me think that this lad's not going to make it. Um, if he goes on and has a decent career, I wish him well, to be perfectly honest with you, because lesser people would have stood up to that. I was talking to somebody as well uh, yesterday who said they were in a lift and they were watching him actually 
looked down at some of the stuff after one of those pre-season friendlies on Twitter and he was just they were in a lift with him and he was just looking at it going what the fuck am I doing like you know what I mean and you forget that sometimes mm-hmm. I think that there is a person behind that football player um, I think we've probably spent enough time on Larry's carriers considering he's never going to play for Liverpool Football Club again um, so let's move on to the next one then Bailey uh, Liverpool have no interest in the, the Ligt transfer now it looks like anyway that he's lined up to go to Barcelona yeah. I think everybody's a little bit gutted that Liverpool aren't in for him but Joe Gomez, can he step up? Yeah, definitely. Delitz always been one of those proper luxury sort of transfers, and I think we'll get onto that in a minute. But like with the supposed budget that we've been proposed, Delitz proper dreamland for me. And I think when you look at 22 goals conceded, wasn't it in the Premier League this season? Best best sort of defensive record in the Premier League. If you're going to spend upwards of 60, 70 million pounds, do you want to buy another centre half? And it's that whole. I'm in. I'm like all on board with the entire sort of. We could have the best centre back partnership for the next five to ten years because of how young Dillit is and how good Van Dijk is currently. But if you think about what we really need to address, <coughs> that much money on a centre half is not a necessity. So I think that I, I can make my piece with it. It was one of those things that I was never. I wasn't for kid. You know, I wasn't sort of fully on board. I'd, I'd already committed. I'd already bought a shirt. Effectively, I think that this is one that I can let go, and I think it's it makes sense. I think that. Barcelona got a huge relationship with you know with Dutch players with Johan Cruyff with Ajax they've got a lot of history there so I genuinely think that it's a case of you know I'm just going through looking at stuff for the story of the season that size building at the minute everybody was it's mad how infatuated we were with Joe Gomez at the start of the season and because it's so far removed from that point we forget how brilliant he was and I think we are only sort of you know a pre-season and a few first start games for Joe Gomez back in that centre half position of saying. Yeah, would they, why did we ever consider replacing you? That's it, isn't it? I mean, listen, you know, I'm surprised, Ross, that uh, Joel Matip was able to step up as much as he did. Right now, I'm not even sure Joe Gomez gets back into the side, to be honest, because I was really happy with the way that Joel, uh, Joel Matip's been playing the last few weeks. I think he might probably change the whole perception of what the targets were in the summer over you know, a sustained period of, of good performances. Surprised me. I think, like, you're right there, people write off Joe Gomez, and I was one of the people that wrote off Joel Matip. He'd been around for two and a half, nearly three seasons, so going, he hasn't, he hasn't hit any form at all. And he's just come in, and considering the teams we were playing, the amount of football he was playing, you always worry with your match, was it? He'll be injured in a minute. He'll go, and he'll be out for three, three more weeks, and then Lovren comes mm-hmm. in and you rotate them. But even when Lovren stepped in for Porto, Lovren was sound. So Bailey's right, why would you go and spend 65 million on the centre half? When that's pretty much sound on the field sorted, and we, all we need is is backup for our for our forwards. It's, it seems that you cut your nose off to spite your face. I, I get going for him because I think he, I think you're right. He's a brilliant centre half, and he could build a, a, a bigger future with him in the long run. You know, if Joe Gomez gets injured again, but I don't think the last injury was his fault. I think he's getting tired with that as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, okay, well, we'll move on then. Liverpool placed a 25 million pound price tag on Harry Wilson, Ben. Um, it does. I don't think, you know, there's supposed to be a lot of Premier League clubs interested in him. You can understand why. I'd be really surprised if Klopp didn't take a look at him in pre-season. Definitely. Um, look, you can't ignore the season he's just had for Derby. Obviously, they've got one more huge game to go on Monday where they could get promoted. Um, and I think it, if they can do that, that is a massive thing for him in his career. You know, if he can be part of a team that gets promotion to the Premier League and not only that, but play a key part in that as well. He scored some big goals from this season, including a penalty in the second leg of the playoff um, semi-finals against Leeds. So, you know, that does wonders for his, his confidence and, you know, his all-round, just to have that experience, you know, to come up and be part of that. I think Klopp's got to look at him. I think, 
I, I want to keep hold of him, but I want to loan him out again to a Premier League side. So I've said on Development Watch that it's coming out this week. I, I want him to go back. I want Derby to come up so we can send him back to there, and then he can continue that journey. Hopefully, they you know they keep the same crux of players at the squad. You know they've got some really talented young players Mason Mount Jack Marriott players like that and they're under a, a, a manager in Frank Lampard who they clearly all have a good working relationship with um, so hopefully they can that's if Frank job. Lampard stays if rumours are to be yeah believed. I mean yeah I mean yeah it's, it, it, that is something to consider I suppose but obviously right now you've got to take it as you know he is the Derby manager he might want to continue you know and build upon that next season um, I think yeah I think for us I think the best thing we can do is loan him out to a Premier League side for one more season Season, see how he goes and make a decision in 2020. Why do you think there's been a 25 million pound price tag put on him? Is that just a because I think that's how much I think if they were to sell, I mean, if somebody comes in and pays 25 million, then maybe Liverpool will look to sell because at the end of the day, not only you know we've talked a lot about loaning players to develop them, but also loaning players to basically build up a price tag on our part. You know, if you think about how much the academy, I remember Andy Kelly saying this last year on the podcast we did, if you if you consider how much an academy per year costs to run, if you sell Harry Wilson an academy product for 25 million quid, you've you've paid for the academy for God knows how many years there. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you, the club are looking at it from a business perspective as well. You know, not only... It's, it's a selfish way of looking at things, but football is a business these days. Sometimes when we loan players out, it's not it's not for their own good; it's for our own good. So they may have st- they may be looking at twenty five million for Wilson and thinking, well, if somebody pays that, we'll just take him and we'll take the profit. It's twenty five million cheap. I don't think I think that's a good that's price a for him. Price. I think considering that he's never played Premier League football, twenty five million. Yeah. You, you've taken into account of what twenty five million what he's worth to a, a potential club that's trying to battle relegation or survival or mm. promotion. It's probably a lot more than that, though, isn't it? So you're saying it's not cheap? I, I think 25 million. I don't think that's probably not enough. There's an attacking player who scores goals. Mm. The value behind that for those clubs. But, that are trying, but we don't know to at the moment whether he can do it in the Premier League. I think that's the thing. I mean, obviously he's he's, he's helped the team potentially get into the Premier League. He can do it in the Championship. Yeah, he's he's definitely Championship level. But if he goes to Brighton, who are battled relegation this season. Is there any guarantee that he can replicate that there? We it's just don't Wolves know are interested. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, even then, yeah. So I don't. I'm, I twenty five million pounds for I, a for a fellow who hasn't played in the Premier yeah. League, who was who hasn't played in the top division. Yeah, football. Yeah. I, yeah. I think yeah. that's that's suppose, crazy money. I suppose the one thing you could say is how many goals did he score from a free kick, Ben? Do you know? Oh, I don't know, but he scored. He scored. It felt like every time I was opening Twitter, he it's, just put it must be like, top like seven, eight, yeah. something like that. And it, how how different does a free kick change? Depending on what what part yeah. of the pitch you play, like I think that that has so much value mm. having that goalkeepers are better though. True. You know what I mean, and and, and mm. you know players in the wall might be better. I'm not saying mm. that that's a deciding factor in any of this, but uh, it is interesting. Liverpool, we know, I, I imagine would put a, a buyback fee on it anyway, or buyback percentage, or whatever yeah. it is that we we, we, we do. Doesn't know what he's doing, yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah. Like and 25 million pounds, I, I get the uh, I get why the academy has to make itself sort of self-fulfilling almost and, and pay for itself and of course you've got to do that you, for too long Liverpool have had lads just go out for a million quid mm. when they've pumped in millions and millions to train these lads up from 10, 11 years old for some time so it's a bit mad and I'd like to see Harry Wilson given a chance and I think if there is one manager in world football that, or one of the managers in world football Jürgen Klopp will want to have a look at him mm. and I think that I think it's bullshit, quite honestly, 25 million. Because I don't think that Jürgen Klopp will sell him without seeing how much he's improved from last year. Mm. Because Liverpool will have had scouts and stuff like that, but Jürgen Klopp will want to watch him himself. And he might decide at the end of pre-season that 25 million's fine. 
he hasn't improved that much. We can almost ride the crest of a wave of his form for Derby mm. last season. But I don't think Jurgen Klopp sells a player without seeing how good he is with his own two eyes. Yeah, yeah. and just one more thing, I suppose. Last, this time last year when we did loan him out to Derby we gave him a long term contract so there's clearly interest from the club to keep him on our books and the fact that he signed it and was happy to take that extra loan I think a lot of fans including myself last season didn't want him to go out last season but the fact that he was willing to take that extra loan to continue his development I think says that he's hungry to play for Liverpool and yeah. he's desperate to go out and prove himself I think it's Liverpool in particular that he wants to play for so mm. I think it's, on, I think it's partly on him as well it also comes out to that business side he said that Liverpool can offer him a contract to protect his fee yeah, 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 years, it? yeah. But absolutely, but Harry Wilson does want to play oh, for yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he absolutely does. And mm. you know, if, if if he believes he's good enough to play for Liverpool, he'll fight for that. He'll show, he'll try and show Jurgen mm. Klopp, and he'll expect the opportunity to show Jurgen Klopp. I think as mm. well, which is why I think, you know, slapping a twenty-five million pound price tag on on him before the season's even finished seems a little bit uh, early for me. Uh, so on to some of the ticket stuff. I think you know, um, obviously a lot's been made of Madrid's ticket prices and all that type of stuff for the Champions League final. Tottenham Hotspur have actually banned three season ticket holders for listing final tickets on a secondary website, a reselling site. Liverpool are looking to do exactly the same. Um, this can only be a good thing, can't it, really, Ross? Absolutely. I was made up when I read this before. You know, there's so many fans that. That don't have the chance to go to these finals that would love to go and would do, you know move heaven and earth to go. But there's a amount of fans that, that complain that we get fingered by corporate for not being able to take tickets. And these people here that have got the opportunity to go to these games are just using it to make money. I think it's disgusting. And for the clubs to actually recognise that I'm I'm making examples out of them is it is a signal to whoever else in future to don't do it. And for other clubs to say, listen, this is the standard that we're setting now go and follow suit because I think it's it's disgusting yeah no I mean everybody knows how difficult it is to get Champions League final tickets and stuff for Liverpool and you know I, I'm not going to go into the intricacies of, of of how you get credits and the balance system and all that because quite frankly I don't really understand it all and I, you know I've got I know how it is for us and I know how difficult it is for us and Ben you, you buy tickets all the time so yeah. you'll know exactly the same but then everybody that I've spoken to comes at it from a different direction which says to me that if you're sat there and try and put yourself in the club's position and I'm not back in the club on this but you've got a million different problems to fix it's not just one or two you mm. might say something completely different to me you know I might say something completely different to you and, and everybody else has got some a different yeah. sort of way that they're coming at it and it, it just seems it like sounds like an impossible so job doesn't it yeah, from, so from the club's perspective to, to keep it as fair as possible I mean it's easy for me to say sit here and say having got a ticket that I, I do think the ballot was quite fair because it's very difficult to get a ticket to go away in Europe so and you've got to somehow so again I've been to all six home games in the Champions League this season for me it is fair to give those people who've been to all those games a shot at a ticket in the final even though they haven't been away I think that's the way it is because it is so difficult to get on that ladder if you're not already on it like myself so I, I understand it but it's funny because the, the you know the reselling stuff I, I was I was asked by a guy in work who doesn't really follow the football because I was, I was saying I've got a ticket and he was like you know oh they are going for a lot of money and I was like I just couldn't put a price on it it's just one of them things I think if you are a true football fan you understand that that sentence in general you know if you think about your ticket for Wolves on the last day even though we went into that day obviously yeah, under, underdogs nice. underdogs to, to, you couldn't put a price fan. on that at all oh, if you're a Spurs yeah. fan yeah first it's, it's the first Champions League ever yeah. but yeah. some people just are greedy and some people yeah. you know it, and that's the way it is I, I mean before I, I got my ticket through the ballot I was quoted four and a half thousand euros for a ticket in the Liverpool end and 
it just it just goes up and up and up. But then up. I can I can sit here and tell you, Ben, that I've been to PSG, I've been to Belgrade, I've been to Bayern Munich, and I've been to all the Champions League home games, and I've been to Barcelona, mm. and I had the same chance of getting a ticket as you. Yeah. So, you know, where's that fair? Yeah, like like Lauren's dad, for example, she's she's been seen to get old for like thirty five years. Was like twenty second thousand or something in the list, and then you look at that, and I get your point. It's like uh, there is there's no when there's that many fans. How do you div- like divvy it up evenly? But I think the biggest thing there is these are three season ticket Spurs fans. You know, they've gone into this new shade, this new stadium, this new era of Tottenham's sort of um, renaissance, and they're like, it's like you've said, they're the first Champions final they've ever been in, and their first thought is to flog it. And it's like I don't get that, that and, I, and that's I think where the club can put a, their foot down. It's like they know exactly who's bought a ticket in their stadium, and they say, well, if you're if you don't value what this club has done for for you as a fan, getting you in the position to go and watch that, you've had the the luck to go and actually get a ticket in the ballot, and then you're selling it. Like that that's 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 the right stance to have to say that's not what this this, this club's about. Of course, about. It is, but then you you got, you got the flip side of that, and right? And and here, here's, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. But this may be not something that I uh, truly understand, but you know, for example, I know people that put their name in the ballot with absolutely no intention of going to the final, right. but they put their name in the ballot because they had mates who are also season ticket holders who also go away from home that increases the chances because they will sell them to them at face value mm-hmm. yeah is that fair or is that not fair so th- here's the thing yeah you know th- these are the these are the issues that the club have to say because if I if I put if I put a ticket in and I can't go but I get one in the ballot and then give it to Paul is that fair or not fair Paul still bins them all but is it not is it not fair because I'm actually I've got no intention. I'm not I'm not saying I'd sell it for over, Maybe. over eth- face value. Ethically or mor- morally it's wrong, isn't it? Because he's not given a fair chance to everyone else. But like again if if Paul's missed out on that ballot and he's been to all the games, then I don't think you could probably argue with doing that. I think there's a huge difference between doing that and giving someone for face value who's been to all those games than to getting your ticket and flogging it and then exploiting someone else to get as much money as you can for oh, listen, for, for I think free. everybody knows if you sell a football ticket for over face value you're a prick yeah. Yeah. I think we, we can all agree that's not the that's not the issue for me yeah. it's mm-hmm. the other stuff that it's that sort of the, the, the grey area isn't it between or if, even to be to be fair like I, I'm, I don't know if it's the same with the Europa League final I think um, Baz was saying earlier like only 2,000 like Arsenal fans have bought a ticket for the, the Europa League final unless for Chelsea unless for Chelsea I think that also is a factor you know the fact that the Madrid airport was sold out like already. Like if that before the ballot had come out, if that had come out, and then you're like, well, I can't feasibly get there. You know, I can't fly there. I haven't got the money, the funds that it's now going to cost me on top of that to then travel to the to the, the place. Is that that person's fault that then wants to flog it? I think there are there are a lot of different factors in there, and it's right. It's one of those things that the lads who go away though, the yeah. lads who go away all the time, have booked their tickets before to get one in the ballot that's mm. just the way that it works mm-hmm. that's what they do because they know that that's what you've got to do mm. and I know lads that have booked tickets for 300 quid months and months and months ago because they'd rather lose the 300 quid yeah. than spend a grand and a half trying to get there when you but get but not everybody has the, I mean yeah, not, not everybody has that type of money to lose 300 quid of course they don't so, so that's the reason that I ended up after it, after getting a ticket I then had to scramble around and sort of transfer because I couldn't afford to just go to Madrid for a weekend on the on the off chance that I get a ticket and watch it in a bar when mm. I could watch it in a bar in Liverpool and it would cost me £300 less I think it, it's not it's not my fault that I can't get tickets for a ways so 
then surely I'm entitled to an opportunity for a final ticket. That's the, I, I, you know, it's, it's the debate you could have all day. But like, I physically, if I could get, if I could my, have a ticket for away, then I would view, go. Ben, and pay from the my t- point t- of view, right? Um, <coughs> why should I, who've been to four or five away games, have exactly the same chance of a final ticket as you? Well, it depends. So, are you getting tickets through other people? Or every single away game I've been to this season, the clubs knows I'm going to because my name's been on the ticket. But it does. The, you were guaranteed a ticket on your account if you'd been to seven games. So yeah, but I'm in the same boat as you, whereby I can't get the away ticket, so I buy them oh, for other people, right, okay, yeah. and they and they tell the club who's using their tickets. Right, okay. But they get so, the so that's for wrong it. then. They so they the should know. For it. So you should get the credit for that then. So that's so again, this is this is the yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then should the person who's buying it lose the credits? Well, because if they're buying, they should yeah. be buying one. This is the issue. Yeah. Too much of a this, this, this is the problem that they've got. And We've got too many fans, Chris. That's what well, it is. Let's just not go. <laughs> yeah. no, it, it, I think it's bullshit. You know, it pisses, it pisses people off all over the place. And the, the, the problem is right now is that there's these wars on Twitter and social media and about all of this stuff because we're having a conversation because we're in the same place as each mm. other and it gets pretty heated at times. But when it happens over on social media, I've seen lads absolutely going off at other lads who've managed to be lucky and get a final ticket mm. because they, they haven't been able to get one and stuff and they're I in the same boat. I saw someone today who commented on, who spoke to someone who hadn't been to any games in the Champions League and they got a ticket for the final. I don't know how they've got it or how they've done it. But that's, a, that's an issue as well for someone who's been to all home games as well. This is the thing, like, so I, something needs to be done by a much cleverer person than me. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Anyway, listen, we've probably talked way too long on all this type of stuff. Anyway, um, as you can probably tell uh, by the caps or the the the, the let's uh, let's go with gamut uh, of Ooh, caps on the table uh, or myriad of caps Collection. on the table, something like that. Um, we are sponsored as always uh, by Tokyo Time. Um, absolutely superb caps. They've got some new designs out as well. Got a red men one as well. We'll be getting that one in soon. Uh, this is one of my personal favourites. Love this one as well uh, the blue one here uh, if you do like your caps these are absolutely top quality you can see they're all embroidered on the sides uh, nice embroidered badges the the, the, the working sides absolutely superb the stitching's incredible really good value for money really strong supporters of Redmen TV uh, they've enabled us to keep the show going which has been absolutely fantastic um, and there are so many caps the, some of the new ones are absolutely belted maybe we could put a little photo uh, of the new one with the really big design coming up uh, and if you want to get 20% off, uh, just follow the bit.ly. It's bit.ly forward slash Tokyo Time underscore Redmen TV. And there is a discount code, which is just Redmen20. That will get you 20% off some of the best caps around. Uh, big thank you to Tokyo Time. Big thank you to Paul for supporting the show for as long as he has done. Uh, spoil independent business that makes absolutely belter caps, as you can see by uh, the fact that Bailey wears one all the time. Very durable caps. Very durable. I mean, they are, they are absolutely scintillating. I absolutely love them. Um, so we will talk transfers then. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with you, Bailey. Actually, um, first of all, you can show off the cap just by talking, and secondly, um, you put the agenda together, so you're probably in a good place to talk about this. Um, there are reports suggesting that Liverpool will only be spending sparingly this summer. It feels too early to talk about transfers, but there's an appetite yeah. for it. Um, do you believe those reports? Um, I am inclined to believe it this time. I think you know, I, there's a lot of fans that say like, "Oh, Klopp always says we're not going to buy so and so, we're not interested in so and so." We the squad's as good as it is, and then he goes out and buys Van Dijk and Allison and Fabinho like he did last season. Why do you think he does that? 
Uh, just, I don't think he's a guy that he's going to give hints anywhere. You know, why should, you don't think he, it's in his best interest to tell people who he's going for. I think the closer you can hold the cards to your chest, the best in, in from a business perspective and from a manager's perspective. And there's but a little matter of a Champions League final. They probably need to keep the players G'd up for exactly. as well, to be honest with you. Exactly. He hates transfers, doesn't he? And he hates yeah. talking about other players when he's, he's going to disregard his own players. And, and the, the, the biggest flaw is the fact that our window opens three weeks before any of the other leagues have closed. You know, this Italian league's still open. The Spanish league has been won, but there's still games. There's, there's games across all these leagues and cup finals still to be played. So a lot of these leagues close three weeks after ours closes. So we we start everything so early and silly season's all like, oh my God, here we go. But nothing's going to happen. Like, nothing's going to move for the next three weeks. It won't be until after the Champions League final anyway that we really see any business done, if any. And I think that, you know, this that's why with the Delitz stuff, I never was really on board. I think that that was, you know, if it, 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 we're not going to have another summer like last summer for a while because I think our squad is so settled. And I think we're going to go down the route of, you know, maybe we get a backup forward, a versatile forward, you know, a guy that can play on the left and maybe in the middle, maybe in the 10 at the same time, maybe, you know, a young backup for the left back. And uh, do you know what? I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, 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 this is a, one of the first times in a long time that I'm saying I could say I'm really happy with the way the squad is at the minute. No, I, mean, I agree with that. I think, you know, first of all, I'll just expand on my earlier point. You'd be absolutely ridiculous to come out and say you're going to get a new centre-half. Uh, when you've got a Champions League final coming up, I mean that's just going to fuck with Joel Matip and Joe Gomez's head if they're needed. You, you could there is an argument to be made to say that you listen, it might spare them on, but one game is not going to change the manager's mind, um, is it really? Let's be yeah. honest with you, um, unless they put in a Cara 2005 type of performance, in which case, yeah, actually maybe I don't need a new centre half. Um, generally speaking, Klopp does this every year. Um, it doesn't surprise me that Liverpool's budget is around the 20 to 50 million pound mark. I think with player sales, we could be looking at 100 million invested into that anyway mm. which then puts you at maybe two three world class players maybe 300 350 million pound signings absolutely sound with that like um memphis the pairs a guy uh, ross that we've spoken about uh, recently uh, liverpool fans are all over it because he's uh, he's mates with genie why now them and all that type of stuff and obviously if you're mates with someone you're going to go and play for the same team as them apparently that's how it works that's definitely how it works it's quite funny the, the amount of posts genie done i think he did one with virtual and the other day as well mm. i think I think we might have spoken this on the Red News last week or the week before of being open to someone like that who's an attack midfielder quite quite open but I think the stuff you just said there about player sales there's dumb slanky money to, to go on top of that which we haven't really considered bit of Danny Ings money Dan, bit of Danny Ings money to come in as well carries if he goes, goes full term we might lose some if Coutinho moves on because he won't get the add-ons from Barcelona it'll get sold from him but you have to think of like Chamberlain's coming back. It all depends on Rian Brewster if he's coming into the fold Harry Wilson we already mentioned before he already gained three players there we want to we want to develop our bench. We want to look at the benches. Think you can change your game. There's three people there that can do potentially. Why go and spend? Why go and spend big? He finished one point behind Manchester City and got to a Champions League final. So how is is there much more you need to progress on on that? Maybe, well, maybe, listen, maybe if they spend four hundred million, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, but you can't compete. You can't just go buying people to say you're buying them because they want to do. I think you have to concentrate on what you're doing yourselves. I don't think we're both. I think made this right. I don't think we're far off. Competing again next season for for titles and stuff. I want to just want us to have a, a team that's again the bench and a, a team that we can almost a B team. We can go 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 into domestic cups without change, without making eleven changes and playing seven kids and relying on them to get you somewhere in the FA Cup or in the um, what's the other one? Carabao Carabao Cup. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Carabao. It just seems a bit. But you know, it's to, to drop off too far, and that, I think you go and get some people. I think you're right, fifty to hundred million pound. Maybe what I guess you what three decent players, maybe. 
fine with that. A goalkeeper, backup goalkeeper, backup left back, yeah. and a burst out centre forward. And I, I think I don't think that's going big. No, I think I think that's right. I think you know you can bring in maybe fifteen million quid for Simon Mignolet, mm-hmm. Ben. Um, in which case, you know, is it Keller, or is it Grabara as a backup keeper, or you bring in someone experienced? Then maybe backup left back for me. Joe Gomez can probably play right back for you if you need. Behind Trent Alexander Arnold, you're going to have Nathaniel Klein. His money's going to be coming into the bank. You'd guess. Mm-hmm. Um, midfield, I think stocked. Brewster is a fourth for three spaces up top. Which I would like five for three places yeah. at the top. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I, I suppose I could just echo the, the words that the two have just said. I think for the, probably for the first time since maybe in ten years, it's the first time that I've felt not too bothered about transfers in terms of you know just being confident in the current squad of players that we have. You know, at the moment as a start in eleven, you're you're hard pressed to find too many players who are going to be an upgrade to get into the starting eleven that are mm. going to fit into the system as well. You know, you can, you can go and pluck out Paolo Dybala maybe, that is, but is he going to work in our team? Probably not. So, you know, the, there are players like that who who you can go and find, but it's all about finding what's going to work for us. And I, I, at the moment, as I say, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find many players that do. So then you're looking at that cut under. It's, it's a very... It's a, you're into a grey area there because it's finding players who are both happy to sit on the bench but not... Good enough, like that. That's where. They, so, Jordan Shakir is the perfect example. Where he, he's a he's a perfect backup. You know, he's not gonna. You know, he knows that he's not gonna walk into the the starting eleven. But he, he is also happy to sit on the bench. You need to find players who've got that attitude and are happy to do a job, a bit part job. Um, you know, a lot of young players. Some 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 will be happy, but I feel like the mentality of a lot of young players these days is that they might rather they'd rather be playing. You know, somewhere else in the Premier League than than be sitting on the bench for. Seventy percent of the games at Liverpool, but you, that there'll be some players where enough money is is enough to um, to change their minds. I, you know sense. what? I, I I agree to a point, Ben. But my big thing with this at the moment, and maybe it's something that I've come to realise over the last year or something. I'm not saying I'm right on this, by the way, is that you need to be able to offer games to players. And I think I've said a few times now that Liverpool need to go deep in the cup competitions, mm-hmm. and I think Ross is right. I think you shouldn't be playing seven kids in these cup competitions. You're developing your kids should be done somewhere else nowadays. I think that's just the way that it is mm. unfortunately unless they're a standout talent like a Brewster or a Keanu Hoover where they're really young and stuff like that I'd be looking to make sure that you know it's not it's not lads to sit on the bench anymore for me I think that's a that's an old school way of looking at it it's lads that can come and be a part of it for five ten games on the bounce and move on Riyad Mahrez was brilliant for Manchester City at the start of the season Bernardo Silva completely had him off and, I, and then he moved into the middle and stuff like that these are the type of players, and I, City are a perfect example because they're balancing a squad really, really well. You know, um, it's not lads who are just sitting behind them w- waiting. It's lads who are having a tangible impact all throughout the season that Liverpool need. Mm. And I think that that is a mentality shift, maybe Bailey for a player, but also maybe for Liverpool as, as how we build a squad. Yeah, and that that's hundred percent the biggest thing for me. Is like you look back to the League Cup. I think our back line was like Mignolet, Moreno. Um, Klein, Matip, Lovren. Yeah, and it's like that was and Fabinho's first game in there, and it's like and everyone's like, okay, we'll give you a pass this season because we are going for the two big trophies, and we've got within a point of one and in a final of the other. So you can say it paid, it paid off. And the FA Cup was even worse. You know, the amount of, I don't think there was like two first team names in there, and one of which was playing centre half. And it was like, how is that where the level we're at? You know, how how have we got? How is our squad not that bulked out that we can afford to risk some players in there? It was obviously only when we when we were down in the game that we bought Firmino and, and Salah on I'd like but that's because th- that's that like Rafa's 
playing in the air or Rodgers playing in the air shite isn't it you know what I mean I mm. think what Klopp's done and I think he's right to do this is he's not bulked out the squad like Rafa did with shit players yeah. you know Rafa mm. spent 25 million on Torres and bought five fucking three million pound players to bulk the squad out Klopp's just gone bang here's my money for my first team we'll see if we can do with that and it's mm. it's done us well and I think it's I think done us incredible but now he's got to actually think about the entire squad that, not that he yeah. hasn't been yeah no that that's exactly it I think we it's actually he's done fantastically last season prioritizing where he's needed to you look at all the signings he's made they've all been so important getting us to where we are now and I think he has to look at this now and say say was it was it Lloyd Kelly or something that signed yeah, the day yeah, Bristol. From Bristol, yeah, yeah and that was like a, a part you look at and you're like you would have been a perfect guy mm. to, to come into this team and there's like there's that um, Zayek isn't there who's from Ajax who's got like a 25 million pound release clause it's, there's looking at guys that can do a job and that are affordable I think there's so many of them out there so we can constantly come back to the the example of Andy Robertson and saying there are clearly players young hungry players in leagues below or in leagues that are less than the Premier League that will will bite around enough to sit on our bench and I think that's where we've got to look it'd be really interesting to see Jurgen Klopp not not bringing in these sort of super hot talent even like when when we, when we signed some of the earlier names like that they were still middle class to a good talent I'd like to see him sign players who are unbeknownst to people you know guys that are, are gems in the rough like Andy Robertson again just to see like because th- that's what gets me excited it's seeing that side of Michael Edwards and Jurgen Klopp that, that sort of the brain of stuff we don't get to see why, why have we picked him up what, what have they seen in him that we, that we haven't why, seen why does everyone think Andy Robertson's been such a good signing for us uh, because he's well I mean he's, de- he's developed from a eight million signing from relegated Hull to probably being the less best left back in the world. How's he done that? Well, it's, work it's under rate. it's under Passion. work rate. It's under you know, and it's under a manager developing a talent that he. I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that Andy Robertson was Jurgen Klopp signing. I think he was presented to him by a scouting team. He decided after seeing enough that he wanted to take a punt on him, and then from there it's down to Jurgen Klopp's coaching and development. And you know, again, what we've seen from Jurgen Klopp over the years, where he's not been thrown into the first team straight away, he's been given time. You know, he only came into the he only came to the first team. I mean, I remember watching him after um, in the Everton Cup game, you know, after Christmas. So that's only really when he started to be a regular in the first team because he was it? given that. Yeah, Moreno got injured, and he then he was then given that chance, and he took it because some players just—I mean, again, it's the—I don't know if it's the the Scottish mentality, if you like, but you know, it, some players just take to it, and they, you know, they they have the desire to to go as far as Andy Robertson has, and I think I think he's been incredible. Of course, he has, but I'll tell you the reason why, and the answer is games. Right, games is the reason why. Mm-hmm. You know, Moreno was playing really well. He, I think I think I'm right in saying Andy Robertson came in for Crystal Palace or something like that. Mm. Had one game, I wouldn't say was Set particularly standout yeah. stand or anything like you that. See, you could see he had a really good cross on him. But everything that you've said is right. It, it enabled him to succeed his personal life and all that type of stuff and everything done plus he's got the skill set plus Jürgen Klopp's nurtured him uh, and all that type of stuff but ultimately you've got to have games in the team to improve yeah. and I think that's the that's the struggle that's the hard part for Jürgen Klopp at the moment because mm. you're bringing a forward how are they going to get 15 games on the bounce without an injury yeah. you're bringing a midfielder do we even need one you're bringing defenders well where do they fit into the best defence in the country mm. but I think if you're <laughs> if you're second place in the league you have to say tough because Manchester City wouldn't be promising Mara's games, but he came because they were because of the promise. And you know, we, if we're going to go from Memphis to Pi, it is a, for a worst case scenario situation. We were very lucky that Mo Salah got injured at this period that he did. You know, that Bobby Firmino only missed a few games here and there at Man. He was just solid through the whole thing. I don't know if we're going to get that lucky again. And that's mm. the point. If we're going for it again next season, we can't. 
put all our chips down on that front three being stellar. Two seasons now, exactly. Well, the, yeah. the, 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 Simon Brundish says this very often. He's a great follower on Twitter. It's someone I really respect as well. He's a sports scientist. Um, he says the most underrated attribute in a footballer, and the, the stat that we never talk about enough is uh, games available for. Mm-hmm. He said it's the most important yeah. one when it comes to football. And Bobby Firmino, Sadio Mane, Mo Salah are available for a lot of games of football. Yeah. Fortunately, just like Virgil van Dijk, just like Andrew Robertson, you know, these are like if he notices it, I'm damn sure that our player, our, our coaches notice this type of thing as well. Because mm. why would you sign someone who's not going to be available 50% of the time? Nabil Fakir. <laughs> and it just look at you have to just look at like Manchester United, like Lukaku, Sanchez, Rashford, all of that, and Lingard. Those four players, I'm sure all of those have they've all been out for sustained periods of time in that in that season. It's like, well, if you can't have a cohesive attack, where are you? And I think that's how we've been so lucky in the sense in the like Benson in the last two years to get there. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What if it's not luck? That, oh, okay. <laughs> <Just think that. laughs> these, these lads have all been signed, and these lads all happen to be available for I would say 95% of the games. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It's a it's Food a it's a worthy shout. It's a worthy yeah. For the domestic cups, though, I think you have to take in consideration as well. Obviously, the transition period that we're in, like you said before, you can't just go and buy shit plays for that sake. I think that's where we're at now to go and do that. <clears throat> but also taking consideration who we've played in these cups in the early stages: Chelsea and Wolves. Chelsea Wolves. What Leicester and Chelsea last season as well? Maybe you can't you can't expect people to go and do that. Wolves played the first team. We went down to go and see them very good side because they've got nothing else to fight for at that stage we were going for a title God, they nearly uh, made it to the final Chelsea and the other one they got to the final and they, and they lost that's just the way it is and you look at City got to all the finals and the run they had to yeah. and Dagenham and Redbridge whoever else that they played that's just the way it goes sometimes no it is it's unfortunate like, um, so we kind of that, that was really interesting that to be fair like Ross how crucial is it to get the balance of these incomings and outgoings just right We've kind of probably talked about it a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's been nailed. To be fair, you know, it's still surprising about what Michael Edwards can do in a, in a transfer room with someone and come out and get so much money. Dom Slanky was another massive one. We you know we spoke about um, Harry Wilson there. Dom Slanky didn't really prove himself at an elite level and sold him for for twenty million pounds. Mm. I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, and the club's in a, in a good position now. Probably the best it has been in a long time. Certainly, obviously since. Hicks and Gillette have, have been really solid as a, as a business as a, as a business model adds that another good run in the Champions League that's more money second in the Premier League that's even more money sales on top of that's fine I think what I don't want to do is look at like four or five people and go get rid of it and then, then you cut you know you'll swipe your face so Adam Lallana for example I could quite happily get rid of him but there's no need to get rid of him if you're mm. happy to have someone of his stand who can play the two three games he's someone great to have in, in cup games he knows where he's at now he knows his level he knows he's not getting that, that, that my field, but you can you can go and be like a leader among kids. Yeah, but fact. I think one of the other things is I think Dejan Lovren spoke about it last week, Bailey, where you know someone asked him, didn't they, um, how it was, how why he was so excited towards the end of the Barcelona game and why he was so involved in the celebrations? Oh, Did yeah. everybody see all this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he basically stood there in the interview, and, he said, and, and the, the question along was along the lines of, "Listen, you were a part of this last season yeah. at Roma, but now you're not," and he kind of went. But we're a team. Yeah, yeah. They needed. I had the support from them last season. It's my turn. And yeah. this season, it's my turn to be that support for yeah. the rest of the team. Yeah. And it's that mm. that you need to bottle as as Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. And it's something that he's so good at. It's yeah. cultivating that atmosphere around the club yeah. where everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet, everybody's talking and pulling in the same direction, aren't they? And that for me is the balance of ingoings and outgoings, and that's where the homework really needs to be done. Yeah, and, and completely right. That's what I was sort of trying to get out with my last point about. 
I don't care about Marquis, I don't care about any of this stuff. If whoever he brings in, I know he's he's met with this guy, you know, he sat down with him like he did with Virgil van Dijk. In Blackpool. Yeah, Stick a rock chippy. Exactly. Sat down and just felt him out and said, This is my ethos, this is what Liverpool are about. Are you in? And then whoever he brings in from that point, you know that the guy is one hundred percent from that point committed to Liverpool. And I think that that's one thing that I've not seen for a long time as well is the, just the cohesiveness of the team just every single it was so hard for us to pick a player of the season this year when we did the podcast because every single player pulled their weight whether they were reserve whether they were substitute whether they were first team all of them pulled their weight and had a contribution to where we were this season I think that that's so hard to sort of so hard to take away from and also to add to you need a guy you need people to come in and sort of you show them what, what we've built here and say no matter whether you're playing games or not, well, this is a unit, you know, mm. you, and, and you will have you will have your time whether it's one or two games, like Devokarigi did, like Sturridge has done, where we need you. Even Lallana, you know, those games against Fulham and um, Burnley, it was brilliant and such a key influence. And I think that that's such a strong position to have, you know, where some people have, you know, huge wage bills, you know, the cup competitions are in. We are very unique in the sense we are already there in terms of the cohesiveness of our squad. I can't name another team in the league that has got a cohesive work for each other sort of atmosphere like Liverpool has No and I think that I think the other part of that Ben is the fact that you know there's a cohesiveness not only with the team on there but also with the fans and I think we saw that at the end against Barcelona one of the points that Bailey very slightly touched on or, or maybe maybe I just I, I just pulled a thread from it as it were um, something that I know from the NFL is that I was listening to a podcast about a year or so ago now with a scout and one of the things that they do, and it got me thinking, it's got to happen in football. As soon as, I, as soon as I was listening to this podcast, I was like, this has to happen. Scouts will go and speak to the family, obviously. Mm. They'll go and speak to the old high school coaches. They'll go and speak to the old college coaches. They'll go and speak to people who've worked with him in his part-time job. And they will do all of this without the play and knowing. I wonder whether Michael Edwards does this, because he gives you... Uh, an overview of what type of a person mm. he is when the spotlight's not him. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, can, you can be someone in front of your coach or your boss or something yeah, like that, yeah. but then you'll go and speak to old mates and all this mm. type of stuff. And I wonder whether there's that level of depth when we're scouting yeah. players. Yeah, I wonder how far back he goes on their Instagrams and stalking and tweets, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, I suppose... There's no, it's no coincidence at this point the deals that Michael Edwards is pulling out the bag. So you, you feel like there is, there must be something extra that he's doing. Sauce. You know what, what is the, what is the secret to his success? Yeah, you know, and and if maybe that is, he's just happens to have the best scouting network in the world underneath him. You know, maybe that, maybe he's, maybe that is all it is. But maybe, maybe he is doing something extra, and that could be what it is. Either way, I think he deserves a, a whole lot of praise. And I, you know, we've talked about transfers so far. It's the way that they do it. So um, above, bo- well above board. Oh hello, you got a short memory. <laughs> no, sorry. I mean, it's the way they do it, kind of um, without it, out the eye of the media almost. So if you think about Fabinho, that being the main example, um, you know, it was just done. I, it wouldn't surprise me if there's one done now, and you know we're waiting first for, of July. For, for, bang, yeah, go, bang, and, it, and that's it. You know what I mean? It, it's the way that is what I think is other than the virtual thing, obviously. <laughs> that is what I think is most impressive. It, there's almost an air of professionalism where you're not, you're not. Most of the time, you're not like courting players. You're not doing all that. There's a bit. There's 
it's just you speak even with the fakir stuff the majority of the way we carried out that process seemed to be absolutely perfect up until we made we seem to make the decision to pull the plug and even then that takes balls to you know to take to take that away when you decide that something's not quite right um so i think the way we conduct ourselves not only with you know incomings but as we've mentioned already without going like dom Solanke getting the getting the um, the price for him the coutinho stuff you know there's supposed to be this like tax for barcelona if they want to take one another one of our players over the next couple of years stuff like that he's definitely eddie, the... eddie howe new doesn't he yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 i i just think he gets he just gets it and i think it's it's a strange thing to say but like i feel like he's where we're all sort of scrambling and trying to fix problems of last season Michael Edwards and Young Klopp are two seasons ahead you know he, he's, mm. he as we've seen every season there's a new evolution where it was Ox in the 10 last season and it was fullbacks this season what could it be next season I think these guys know that and, they, and they're like right well I want these two guys because I think that after watching them last year they can make the step up to what, what we could achieve next season and I think that that's the mark of a great sort of man in his position like you look at Ed Woodward you know a guy that all the all the United fans will sit there and scream. We need Daniel James because he's we he, he, he work for the club. You know he's the same place as Ollie. He's 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 going to come up at the same. Ollie's inexperienced. Daniel James is inexperienced in the Premier League. That's what the fans want. But then you'll have Ed Woodward will be like Gareth Bale. You know this is this is the guy that, that like he's done with Lukaku, like he's done with Pogba, and like I think that's how we've gotten very lucky with Michael Edwards. He's not only fantastic at not blowing his load on players unnecessarily. He also but you're right. I think there must be a case of he must understand the the players he's scouting at such a strange he level. He takes out the marketing aspect, doesn't he? Well, the structure the structure of the club is what yeah. enables Michael Edwards to go about and We're do all his the business. Same page, aren't they? Well, the, the fact is, he's got one job. Mm. You know, Ed Woodward is the com- <coughs> is is the commercial director. He's the director of football. He's all of those things rolled in one. Mm. Just get fucking experts. If you would be an expert, surround yours surround yourself with experts. Mm. That's an old Hindui fucking proverb so, or whatever it is you know what I mean Confucius say listen you know <laughs> what I mean um, it's one of those things I think that's what Liverpool have done really well they've structured it in such a way that Michael Edwards is good at his job and just does his job and then Peter Moore goes out and does the commercial deals and all that type yeah. of stuff and it's absolutely fucking superb um, so we'll move on then uh, before we do got a little plug for the MXP podcast it's Machen Pajak he isn't here this week we've got an incredible special lined up for you Ooh. I will let you know right now uh, the person that we've got on the MXP podcast this week is Mark Goldbridge Friday 5pm Matrix Pajak YouTube get subscribed <laughs> Machin Goldbridge fire that simple that is beautiful that is absolutely that. beautiful <laughs> that was really good can you just do that throughout all the tense thing. Thing. The, 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 anytime it gets a little bit tense here, just start doing that it's for just me. Part of your ASMR thing you do after yeah. work. Yeah. It's part of the tuberculosis I think I got in the last four days. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll, let's talk about Madrid anyway. Um, only ten days. Ten. Yeah. Ten. Eleven. Eleven. Twenty-first. Ten sleeps because there's a thirty-first of May. Mm. So eleven. Oh, my. Sorry. <laughs> what? What? You're, I was asked a question. I answered. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> Um, Wow Um, Rosh Does it feel real? I haven't got there yet No I'm still trying to get over the season I think all of us Fuck knows how the players feel Having a a, a mental break From football Give me five minutes That's all all I want Give me a breather Yeah Still don't feel like I've had it Um, No It still seems I feel a bit bizarre The Barcelona thing was just Something out of this world I think and 
even the day of the Wolves game, I was still watching the highlights of going, this, this is, hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. To be in another Champions League final has, has blown my mind. You know, we had Istanbul and Athens was a very long time ago. And last season was great, but I felt we overachieved getting there last season. And to for the form that we had in the group stages, you know, losing three games away, true in the Champions League final, no. Even now, three no goals, three goals behind Barcelona, no, no chance. And now, I have not had time to process it. Still, I, I get it. I know, I know it's a thing. It's definitely I, happening. I, I, yeah, but I've not had just had a chance to think about it. I don't think it, it won't be until uh, probably the week or when we start doing some build-up content in here. I'll be able to get my head around it. But as far as now, it's just I'm still calming down from. <laughs> it's it's from been such an incredible season, hasn't it, Ben? I think you know the way that the Champions League gone about the teams that we've played in the Champions League. You know, you you mentioned the fact that the City had like Newport and all that, but French champions, Serbian champions, Portuguese champions, German champions, Spanish champions. Fucking hell, you know what I mean? Uh, it's been ridiculous the teams that we've played on this Champions League run, and yet somehow we're there. Yeah. And but both sides will be sitting there thinking the same thing at the moment. There's there's a narrative as to why Liverpool win the Champions League. Tottenham had a point after three games in the group stages, didn't they? They'll be thinking their names wrote on the cup just as much as we yeah, think ours yeah. deserves to be. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be such a good game. Uh, you, you're right. I mean, you can add into that the Serie A runners up as well from last season. You know, we we played them. Uh, you know. There, there has been some complaints, of, you know, from, from rivals. You know, Liverpool lost all three away games in in the, in the group stage. We managed to squeeze ourselves through, and there were so many key moments that contributed to that. How did we get um, on in the home games? We we won all three. All oh, right, inter- yeah. interesting. So, so and it's still based on a league. Yeah, yeah. So, so you have to just come second yeah. or yeah. first. So it is fine. Yeah. Okay, like everybody else's yeah. group. Yeah. Okay, just so checking. Just, just yeah, just just letting you all know. Yeah, but obviously you can think about the the key moments in that. You know, how long ago now does that Firmino win a feel against PSG? That one. You know, that, that one, um, and you know the, the Alison save, Apple, 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 Napoli save, Napoli. You know, <laughs> <laughs> monster rushing Napoli. Yeah, monster. Yeah, I'm just not having a good day. Um, yeah, the, the the Alison save against Napoli in the you know the, the big the big error from Virgil Van Dijk in the round of 16. You know that the base you know that basically takes us through. You know, it's just it's been a season to remember, and I think it's you have to kind of. It's, it's we have to remember to appreciate what a good run it's been in the Champions League because obviously a lot of the focus has been on the league, you know, and that has been more stressful than fun. And argue, you know, the Champions League all the way through, I felt has been a bit more of a like particularly the Bayern tie at the time. I was like, well, this is just a bit of a free hit. We can just go out and enjoy these games of football. And now when I look back on this Champions League run. I, you know, it is something that we can look back on and, and feel like we've enjoyed rather than scrutinised every little, you know, because it's not about, it's about just ourselves. We, the whole of the Premier League season was about City as well. You know, where is City going to drop points? Oh, City away at Burnley this weekend. Oh, City are going to win that game, you know, and all that. The Champions League was just about focusing on ourselves and enjoying Liverpool playing football. And we've got this opportunity to watch them play one more game of football this season and enjoy that and hopefully enjoy that a lot, a lot more than we did in Kiev last season. I enjoyed myself in Kiev, to be fair, until the game. (laughs) I enjoyed I had a great day. I had a great day. after the game. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. I enjoyed myself a lot. Was Kiev or Barcelona? Both. (laughs) And Paris. Oh, yeah, Paris. And Serbia. Anywhere you go with Aubrey. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Anywhere you like. Sounds. Paris is pretty cool, actually. I remember bits of it. It was great. Uh, nearly got run over on a really big roundabout. You told me the story. Uh, had to Paris. F- yeah, I had to full on peg it. Yeah. Screaming. <laughs> Did you? Ah! <laughs> as, I, as I ran across a four lane roundabout. Oh, where the Arc de Triomphe is? Uh, no, closer to the Eiffel Tower, I think. 
Did you have like some cans in your hand and stuff? No, I was running towards a bar, but I didn't notice. <laughs> I, I, when, I, <laughs> when I started walking across the roundabout, it looked fine. Ooh, bar. And, and, then, and then I realised there was four lanes of traffic coming at me, and I literally screamed as I was running across it. Like Not like a gentlemanly jog where you slow down towards the end. I was like as fast, as I, as, fast as I can go and nearly hit the building because I couldn't slow down on the little bit of pavement and then turned around to see Aubrey doing exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, I think, was just... Taking a selfie of himself somewhere over <laughs> miles away, he was absolutely fine and stuff like that. Um, but listen, there's a, there's been a few sort of highlights, Bailey. Um, one for you was you watched Paul's match reaction back from PSG this season. Well, not of just pure for my own amusement. I was helping Cy out for his collating all of his stuff for the story of the season, and a really interesting point we found from the PSG game is he said. Um, I don't think the way we play is good enough to win the European Cup this season. And like, the fuck does he know, lad? <laughs> talking about this was after we'd lost two one to to PSG. Um, I think we played the four two three one. I think we were like that was the initial sort of birth of that that form. And I think he was he was saying to be fair, I think we've got the ability to push City, but I think this competition, like Ben's saying, is going to have to be on the back burner. And I don't think we can go as far. And like at the time, it was that for everybody. I think yeah, everybody felt that. Yeah, yeah. Gary Neville did. Yeah, well. <laughs> I, I I will ask you a question right now. Did Liverpool win the league without the Champions League run? I don't know. Manchester City might not win it with their. And now, it's a, it's an unquantifiable. It's a, it's a ridiculous thing to say, but you know you'd have to go back and look at the way the fixtures fell, I suppose, and mm. see where those extra fixtures came in and all that type of stuff. But it's not something that I've never heard anybody mention. But I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't swap it for a chance to win the European Cup. And knowing how good our form was in the Premier League, obviously losing the Premier League is a bit of a kicker. But being in with a chance to win both, I think what you're saying, Bailey, is absolutely right. Back then, I don't think any Liverpool fan really thought we could push both. No. And you know, ultimately, it's sliding doors, isn't it? Whether you win the league or not, um, whether Vincent Company slots one in from forty yards or not, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, um, but we are, we are in the Champions League final. We are, we will be ramping up the preview content um, next week, and I cannot wait to get involved in that preview content. So uh, let's talk uh, some questions. And Jordan Dennis, one seven five. Oh, welcome to you, Ross. Do you think we'll need to beat ninety seven points in order to win the league next season? Possibly, yeah. I don't think it's, it's far off. City got 100, 100 last season, 98 this season. You know, what's to say that, you know, okay, well, there might be circumstances where they, you know, they need to replace Vincent Company. Just go and spend a load, a load more money. You know, we always spoke about trying, trying to compete with that. I think it's pretty difficult. I think if you take away the, the money side and, you know, not that we're being bitter or salty anyway, you know, you already mentioned Pep Guardiola is a very good manager. They have got very good players. You know, to compete with that alone, I think it's very difficult and to, you know, for a little weather at you know 97 points is it's just a ridiculous amount of points you don't think you can really ask for anymore and, and be disappointed you know you're just coming up against a very good side but having said that it all depends on what happens with City because if, if they get a transfer ban sound they get banned from UEFA that's made says to many if people Juventus come calling yeah if you may come in for Pep that might throw things out the window but if they get if they get a ban from UEFA those people said you just mentioned that if we don't have Champions League football they're just going to win every game in the Premier League then aren't they you know, they might always keep all those people happy by rotating the games of giving those people you said before, like Amaras or something, you can play some, some game time in the Champions League or whatever. But sorry, it's Watford. Like they had Aguero, De Bruyne and Sane on the bench. But they're doing that week in, week out in the Premier League. How's how is anyone They rested the yeah. three best players or three of their best players 
in a cup final yeah. with no games to rest them for. If yeah. so say say yeah. they get it's fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. Yeah, but, and they won six but, nil. But, but, it's it's crazy. Crazy. I said to Ben that's yesterday. All this all this stuff that's come out with with Man City. Squad management, by the way. Do, mm. do you think it's do you think it would go, it'd be more in the spotlight had Liverpool not pushed Man City so far? To say it was last season and Liverpool were okay, we could finish second, but we were twenty points behind this season and the gap was still you know astronomically huge. You know, does that further highlight the the, the difference? So Liverpool's kind of done, done City a favour in that sense of going, well, Liverpool are only a point behind us. Things aren't that bad, yeah. and then they played Watford, and then you go, that's where you can see the gap because no one can compete with that on a, on a weekly basis. They're just going to do that every week. I, it's, it's well, I've talked about it before. For me, it's it's the gap that echoes down the Premier League. So yeah, you get the odd shock where you know you know somebody like Palace can go and win at City, but in general, for me, if you look at the top six, the gap between the top six and the rest of the league, it's almost never been bigger in terms of the fact that the way Man City have spent Liverpool and Man United and Chelsea and okay not Tottenham but you know they, they've all tried to catch up and as a result you know Man United the gap between Man United and Wolves was I think 12 points and you know, was it that many? I think it was wow. yeah it might, might have been a I few like seven. Oh, oh really so but then Man United were quite a way off top four, and so but I and I just feel like the league in general is becoming less. The thing on Huddersfield with like eleven points, you know, they, and they're going and like and they're getting battered, battered pretty much every week, unless they play Wolves because they're the double over Wolves this season, which I found quite funny. Um, but it, I think it's that I think that is the issue with and as you say, you raise a very good point there, Ross, that I haven't considered really. Maybe if Liverpool had finished. 10-15 points behind City despite how much we spent in the summer fairly um, you know, the, the may, it may have been talked about more I think people are looking at people have looked very narrow sighted at the title race thinking well no it is quite it's not it's not it's City City can roll up the reason City haven't been as good to watch this season than last season for me is because they can just roll up score early and that's that then it's like it's like the, it's like the follow it's like the robots following a process every time and that makes it it's not that it's not entertaining but it's systematic it's predictable and I don't want the Premier League to become predictable I want but isn't that what FFP's done in what sense well the rich keep getting richer than the poorest but yeah. well it's, it's if, all if, FFP is from the from the from, yes. from, from the start up the big six clubs wanted to keep rich mm. and richer than the rest, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, what FFP does. Yeah. We, we because can. now no no side like Burnley can ever become yeah. a sustained superpower without breaking the rules. Yeah. And now the focus for Manchester City and, and cleverer people than me have said this, and I think Rob Gutman was the first person that I read say it on Twitter is they want the doors shut behind them. Mm. Of course, yeah. they want the rules to be absolutely fucking adhered to now yeah. because why do they want another club to be able to flaunt the rules and break into this and top so six? They've already done it. They've already done it. Mm. It's too fucking late now. They've yeah, got the money. The They're now earning the money. They're what's the solution? Is it, is it, is it you can spend a, a certain percentage of your income? At, like, at what do you... How do you fix that? You can't because if you take the rules away, then it's another, it's the it's same, another ticket. The, the same rules apply. Well, now, if you take the if you take the rules away and someone decided to come in big and spend money on you on Newcastle, for example, yeah. a big club with yeah. big heritage yeah. and a big fan base, one club city fans all around the world from the nineties and stuff like that, or Everton as a historically big club, you can still catch them. Yeah, but then it's just then it's well, who's richer? Yeah, but ultimately that's what it is now. My my <laughs> my answer to the question, you know. We will probably have to beat 97 points and City will probably beat 98 points because if if all things stay the same. But I did a video about this myself and I, we might not we might not catch them next season, but in five years we will because 
if you can't you can't physically do battle with FFP. You can't. You've got to accept the fact that Manchester City are going to have bottomless pockets for the foreseeable future. That's the, that's the way the world is now. But you can foresee that if they get a transfer ban, or sorry, if they get a, a European ban, Pep's not going to stay, and you lose the best manager in the world, and you have an adjustment period that comes in after that. Their spines are all over thirty years old. You know, they, these all the companies already gone. They're going to have to replace Fernandinho, Aguero, David Silva. You can't just have players that you pump money into. That's what Manchester United are doing. You can't just throw money at a team and hope it sticks. You've got to have a cohesive manager and a spine that can is experienced. Manchester City will have to replace all of these guys who are, who are, are so uh, sort of what's it, experienced in winning things. That will go. Pep Guardiola will go, and that's when the deficit will be changed. When if we've still got Klopp and we're still we're three years into our cycle with this team, it will do that, and City will eventually go back to that again. But money-wise, that's not how you beat City. You just have to be patient and wait, wait them out. Maybe, maybe, and that's a, that's an unfortunate thing. But I think Liverpool will have to beat ninety-seven points, and I think Liverpool will strive to beat ninety-seven yeah. points. I think it's obvious that you strive to beat that. I think you strive for over hundred. You strive to win every single game that you that you're playing. And ultimately, um, my my big thing is that I think Pep Guardiola's side have been playing this way for three years now. Yeah. This is the first year Liverpool have been playing like this. You know, we were very much a gag and pressing side last season. We're not this season. Yep. We will make massive strides forward in a possession-based side next season, regardless mm-hmm. uh, of signings. Our defence will get a year better because they'll have played more than a year together. Our midfield will get better. Our strikers for playing for the third year together will get better. And I think that Liverpool can make massive strides because we're developing our players in the same way that City have got better over the last couple of years because they're playing the same style of football um, so yeah I hope that answers your question at cam underscore b311 are there any unwritten rules of the Redmen office I'm not sure well I've got one here that I hope Tom watches this because he's done my head and with this so many times when you play pool upstairs we have a pool table upstairs in the office you play three games so your first game your second game if you, if you win both the first two that's it you play a best of three you play a best of three what you don't do Tom is walk away after a second game if you're losing. And he's done this multiple occasions now. Uh, and she beat him yesterday, didn't you? He threw his, claw, his, his cue on the table because yeah. he missed, he missed I, the shot. I beat him twice last week because he kept putting the block. He's, he's fell off big time. And That's I think he, he doesn't like it. That's and like I said, it's a rule that I have to remind of him countless times. And he just he, and he knows it winds me up. And this is why he does it. So that is a rule that needs to be worked on and stuck to better in the office. Okay, I think I think one of the unwritten rules of the office is, and this is a genuine unwritten rule. We don't fart when there's girls in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I think that is a genuine thing. I don't think anybody does. No, it's true. Do you, do you do you go do you go for shits when the girls are in? Absolutely, they need uh, a shit. Tom doesn't. Yeah, that's fine. No, Tom. Tom, Tom does doesn't. Doesn't. No. Oh, bless him. I mean, I, really? No, literally, the second the girl leaves, give him two seconds, it'll be straight into the bog. <laughs> it's the straight side. Oh, yeah. Any um, unwritten rules from you, Ross? I've got one. Uh, oh, sorry, Ross. Go on. Um, go on. I don't think so. I, I think there's ones when you, obviously, recording shows, there's certain things that you, you don't say or or do. I mean, you can edit everything out, Ross. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Let's leave that one. Yeah. Let's just go straight to Ben. I, I think... I, we're we, just going to get loads of people asking what they are. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, we all, I, I think we all have a chair. We're trying not to sit in each other's chair. I mean, Tom has his chair size. I definitely, I wouldn't dream of sitting in Ross's chair. You know what I mean? It's just, it's Can Ross's chair. He did when it was off. Yeah, I moved back <laughs> because I was like, you know, look, look at me. I mean, but like, you know, today, like I went sat in your office for a bit because I needed to like blow, do an edit, but I wouldn't like, if you were in, I'd offer you a chair, mm. you know what I mean? Like, there's a chair, there's that, I have my chair. Sometimes Lauren comes in and she's sat in my chair. A and bitch. like, Phew. That's, that's, yeah. that, I like sitting there, that's my that's my chair. I think the other unwritten rule of the office is nobody really wants to touch Tom's keyboard. Um, <laughs> or in fact, his Mac in, in general, like he's walked fucking within an inch. disgusting. Yeah. I've got no idea, I mean, I know exactly how he gets it that dirty. Uh, I've never <laughs> seen a keyboard so dirty in my life. Ridiculous. I've not, I've not looked. Oh, I, I my God. I it's do. disgusting. He has to have like a deep clean on it every week. I don't know why he. I mean, it's disgusting. Isn't it disgusting, Si? Fucking horrible, yeah. <laughs> Wait, the, the one that I've been using all day? Yeah. No wonder you're ill. I just feel grotty now. You're either, you're either ill or pregnant. Wow. <laughs> 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 uh, there you go. Uh, at there's underscore gripes. Is the after party in Madrid at Sergio Ramos's house? It's an idea. It's. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll see if I can make some calls. I mean, I'm flying straight home, so I won't be going. Des, do you know where he lives? Because you can't, you can't put this together yeah. and not actually sort of know where he lives. It'd probably just be outside his house. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Just like four, four scouts, like. Like then fireworks, <laughs> fireworks we set off outside the Hilton. Yeah. Uh, like that's like, that kind of thing. Just every, just, when you say we, I say we. Uh, Were you involved so, in this? A bit? nameless man, a nameless okay. Liverpool fan. The, we, the collective we. Okay, sorry, yeah. Tyler, I just didn't want you to get in trouble. No. That was all. If to turn up was like just a flash mob. Everyone's just got Salah masks on, just stand there for like an hour in silence, just looking oh. at him. Is that a party? He won't know we're there if we're silent. No, because we'll, someone will like ding dong ditch his house. Oh, and right. he'll come out and he'll be on the lot and there'll be like, um, two thousand people there looking like Salah. Yeah. Like, what does ding dong ditch his house mean? Like cherry knock. What's that mean? Knock and run. That's what he's trying right, to knock say. Knock and run. I say knock and run. Because <laughs> I'm not from favorite. Liverpool. Yeah. Cherry drop. Did you say cherry knock? Cherry, cherry knock. knock. Why cherry knock? I don't know. I never actually explored the meaning of the word. It's just the way that it was dumb. It's knock, knock and, and run. run. Dad. Knock I've and heard that like it's, it's knock and run. Knock, knock and run. run. Yeah. Let us know in the comments what is it. Knock and run. It's knock and run. But they don't it's don't bother commenting. It's, yeah. it's, it's definitely not. It's knock and run. Like it's not. Yeah. I mean, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. What was the first one you said? What was the first one you said? Father, father, dashing, cherry dash, ditch and knock and dash, ditch, dive and dodge. Is that what it was? It's like a fucking late Friday night technique. Dip, dive and fucking dodger. Jesus Christ. So there you go. That's how you end the Red Burn TV podcast without Paul Machen. That was the calm before the storm. This is the Red Burn TV. Thank you very much for listening. Like the video. Subscribe to the Red Burn TV on YouTube, on iTunes, on Spotify, whatever. Leave a five star rating. Get in touch at the Red Burn TV on Twitter. We will be back. Uh, of course with the bonus Q&A and we've got some absolutely belter questions lined up which I will work out now If you, what historical time period would you most want to go back in and see your own eyes if you had to pick one would you rather have toothpaste, toothpaste come out of your no, n- knob or your ass I mean, these are the type of things that we, we need will discuss answering. and if you want to pay for this content you can do it's only £5 a month to find out if I want toothpaste coming out of my knob or my ass so get involved at the redventv.com. See you next time. Ta-ra.